guys. Uh, All right. Well, let's go call get, tonight. I'm just so happy. I'm so happy about that Parasite win. Let's oh. let's date stamp this yeah, for the yeah, listener. For sure. Night this after is, the Academy Awards yeah. 2020. What a good... Who? Bong Hive in full effect. We are we are very pleasantly hungover with oh. the joy. Ooh, did one, we, the did joy we, hangover. Once in a decade. Did we go Something three? Something magical happened. We didn't go three for three for that on our number ones, right? No, oh, it was Dustin number went six. With number one that, was was it portrait? Uh, no, it, no, was, it was the uh, the image book by Godard. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. But you you and me had it, right? Yeah. That's what I thought. Man, just, it, but still, it, it was the best movie nominated. Yeah, sure, I'll I, give that. Yeah, I know you will. Um, good speeches from what I saw too. I didn't I didn't actually watch the ceremony, but uh, that's a pretty good one. I liked. Uh, Joaquin was a little weird, but yeah, not I saw he got a little bad. rambly. Um, I I appreciate him calling out like. Hey, I've sucked sometimes. Thanks for yeah. giving me a second chance. That's kind of a, a like if you're gonna spend your your Oscar victory tour like trying to, uh, you know, soapbox for social issues, it's it's good to dunk on yourself. Like, and, I, and I like I a little redemption. I'm into that. Yeah, uh, I like the the Genomine opening. That was fun. It, it was, was cool. weird, but I liked. I, I saw cool. some people kind of bag on it, but I thought it was fun. Um, Eminem was weird. Yeah, mixed random. reactions to that one. Strange choice. So random. Uh, they really wanted to go back to the well on that one, huh? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, what look, that it's, was. it's a jam. I mean, it is definitely a jam. It's a good song, but yeah, weird, weird, weird figure to 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 bring out of out of uh, the cryo chamber. Yeah. Can I tell you how my son lost his mind that I knew every word of that song? And did he really? Yeah, he did not assume that I would know a hip hop song at That's all. So funny, and it was very funny. It's very funny. Well, you, that you, was older than him. Yeah. Yes. Well, you look like his <laughs> his old father. I mean, yes. In his eyes, you're even older than you are in our eyes. I'm, I'm just his cool uncle. Is what I look like. Uh, don't take my job. Don't take my job. Well, hey, this is the Good Trash Genre Cast. Welcome again, dear listeners. We're so glad you're here tuning in to the Good Trash Genre Cast. My name is Dustin. I'm, I'm Dalton. I'm Arthur. And we're mm. so happy to be talking to you about uh, Tu Wong Fu, the greatest kung fu movie of 1995. Oh, no, you were supposed to watch Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Oh, I missed you just it. Watched the, you watched the first part. You didn't see the sequel. I, I missed it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Tu Wong Fu. It's a silly bit. Numeral two. Wong Fu. <laughs> Tu Wong Fu, Too <laughs> Furious. Tu Wong Fu, or Electric Boogaloo. Tu Wong Fu, Tokyo Drift. I would watch a sequel to this. Tu Wong Tu Fu. Uh, they missed their shot, obviously. <laughs> Tu Wong Tu Fu. Hell yes. <laughs> oh my god. That, that's it, exactly. Uh, so if you've never listened to this show before, sorry for this weird opening. Uh, Dustin, why don't you tell them what this is about? This is an analysis show, not a review show. And so we are going to analyze Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. And Hereafter referred to as Tu Wong Fu. Uh, only Tu Wong Fu, the greatest kung fu film of 1995. Um, damn it, Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's an analysis show, not a review show, and that means there are going to be spoilers. And so we're going to talk about how it ends. But we're not going to do that right away. So we're going to try to avoid that by uh, beginning with the synopsis from Arthur Gordon, and then we're going to move right into Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down Review, which is going to be spoiler light, and then we're going to move into a, a little section of the show we call Expanding the Syllabus, as though we were teaching this film as part of a class. Yeah, the and whole shtick is we're talking about movies that wouldn't get talked about in a film studies course, so then yeah, we, we expand the shtick. We, we, we pretend to be teaching a film studies course, and uh, that might involve the lightest, the gentlest of spoilers. And uh, passing spoilers, if you will. And then from there, we move on into analysis. And uh, then all spoiler bets are off. So there you go, dear listener. You have been warned. Arthur, I would love to hear a synopsis from you right now. When elite drag queens Vita Boham and Noxzema Jackson tie for the title of Drag Queen of the Year, they win a first-class trip to Los Angeles for the national competition. 
However, they cross paths with Chi-Chi Rodriguez, a young drag queen who wants so bad to win. Imbued with the spirit of the statuesque Julian Umar, the Elder Queens take Chi-Chi under their wings and head off across the U.S. towards L.A. Along the way, their Cadillac breaks down in a rural city. At first, hesitant of having to stay in the middle of nowhere, Noxima, Chi-Chi, and Vita soon inject a new uh, spirit uh, and attitude into the city before their recent past comes back to haunt them. 1995's Tu Wong Fu opened to middling reviews but held the number one spot at the box office for its first two weeks and ending its run with nearly $48 million worldwide and two Golden Globe nominations. Well, there you go. That's Tu Wong Fu. Thanks, Julie Newmar. Or thanks for everything. Signed, Julie Newmar. That's uh, the title. Buddy, that is a Golden Globe winner if ever I've seen one. It sounds like one. You watch it? this movie, you find out it's got two Golden Globes, and you say nominations. Yeah, that makes oh noms. Yeah, they just wanted to pal around. Who got who got the noms? Uh, Swayze and Leguizamo. That yeah, they wanted to pal around with Swayze and Leguizamo. Yeah, yeah. Check, checks out. out. And not Wesley Snipes. Also, yeah. Oh, what the fuck? All right. Well, I'll get to that when I get to thumbs up, thumbs down. But um, we'll talk. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll parse performances and who we like best. Wesley later. sucks. Moving right along. No. Oh, he's the worst. Oh, you're so uh, wrong. No. Oh, no. You're so I, wrong. I, yeah. Oh, no. Arthur, me, Arthur, and I are on the same page. No, I will draw up my sleeves and we will do battle. I will say that Wesley is the worst looking drag queen, but I think like no, that's is the, the best character. You really? No. You think he's? Oh man. Okay, we'll get there. All right, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. But um, let's go ahead and begin with those thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. We're getting there. Um, Arthur, do you like Tu Wong Fu? Dustin. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Arthur. Yeah. Um, I enjoy it. I think. He said with a question. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm still I, kind I, of... I hear you. Not sure where I'm at with it, I think. <laughs> um, I will say, I don't know that the book and stuff works. I, I see the setup, but especially the very, very end when they make it to L.A. feels so tacked on. Because there's absolutely nothing there. Uh, and there's nothing really of substance. Um, I mean, it's a moment for Chi-Chi, but it just really feels out of left field, I think. It, it feels like a okay, correct. What's the ending? Like it, it does yeah. really. Feel oh, what the were we doing? Oh, yeah, the Cadillac Deville leaving town. Yeah. Yes, it, it really does feel like a, a studio tack on. Yeah, I have uh, more thoughts about studio notes later. Yeah, it's a weird, uh, a weird bit. Um, so I, I, I struggled. I, I watched that f- when to the point I think where they get to Vita's house uh, at the uh, the parents like when they're driving through her neighborhood. Mm, yeah, and I was like, ah, this is just kind of boring. Um, and so I didn't finish it and I went back and I rewatched it and I restarted from the beginning and sat and watched it all the way through. And I still think those bookends just don't work very well. But I think once they get to town, uh, and the film's heart really comes out in full force. You don't love John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Oh, I think Rob Williams is a delight. Oh yeah. I, that whole, that, I, I'm with Arthur. The first 15 minutes are fun until they get on the road and then it's like, okay, all right, what it, it's just taking a while. It takes a while to kind of find its footing. I'm, yeah. I'm with you. And uh, kudos to you for starting from scratch, though. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I was just kind of in a funk, and I was like, I just, you know. So I, I wanted to give it a fair shake. Yeah, though. good for you. Um, But I I think it was really fascinating for me, and this is kind of what we are getting into earlier. I think that I, I kind of forgot I was watching Swayze and Snipes and Leguizamo mm. after that first 15 minutes or so after oh, that kind of really? uncanny valley kind of set it you know yeah um i i really kind of went for it i i think they're all three really good once you bought into the characters of vita Noxima, and chi yeah. you were you were there yeah okay i, I really enjoyed it i, I like their interactions with everybody in town especially uh stalker channing as carol ann Ugh, stalker channing stalker is great love her um 
This is just some great moments. Blythe, uh, Blythe Danner, uh, a lot of fun. Just everybody, I think, yeah. in town is good. Uh, I, I like the heart of the film there. And... Beth Grant. Oh, dude, Beth Grant showing up. Uh, I didn't even realize that was Blythe Danner when I was watching the movie. That was fun to, to realize uh, just now, Arthur, actually. Uh, but yeah, no, Beth Grant showing up. Oh, but you is know, she I get the excited. elder yes. the one that knocks him up? She ro- so rarely no, gets to that's, be pretty that's in the movie. No, she's uh, the no, alcoholic. Blythe is the one that. She's the alcoholic that. Um... Ends up in the kind of green fringe dress. Yeah, she's she's the one that's very kind of staring down her nose at everybody at first. That's, gotcha. That's, um, oh my gosh, I forgot her name. Beth Grant. Beth Grant. Gotcha. She hugged me once. Aww. Yeah, I remember this. Oh, at Dead Center. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Beth Grant. She very, as Dustin was saying, she has kind of a real hard Midwestern face that yeah. I, I've always found her very attractive. But you're right, Dustin. They kind of like play up her Midwesternness and make her ugly in pictures all the time. She gets to be a smoke show she in this movie. She gets to be pretty. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's kind of so cool. happy about that. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just wasn't really sure because, you know, I'm very much removed from this culture. It's not something I've ever really experienced and, and been a part of and something really out of school on. I've got some outfits for you, buddy. Oh, good. Um, I don't know if they'll fit. I, uh, I, you know, so I, as an outsider though, and, and, and I think this is the issue, you know, Alex Bohannon was supposed to be here with us tonight. She wasn't able to make it, uh, but she sent us a lot of good materials and I was kind of reading those and parsing through uh the the view from the community of of the drag community and the yeah. lgbtq community uh which obviously opens up my lo- the the light there but as an outsider i was like i feel good about this i i got very emotional when the town stood up for everybody i, I thought that was just a really fun moment of heart uh and, and i really appreciated that uh but then kind of seeing it from insider eyes and reading those articles uh really helped me kind of look at that through a different lens and see the problematic issues mm. of the movie on the whole Mm-hmm. And, and I think as a movie, it's it's a mess. It really is a mess. I I, I think it has a lot of shining moments. I I really dig the performances. I really do. I I think Swayze, Leguizamo, and Snipes are are all good. Um, direction's fine. Editing's fine. You know, nothing really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Writing's okay. You know, I, I don't think there's anything there. I just think it does have a lot of heart and a lot of humor. Um, and I think it's one of those things we talked about it. Oh. Uh, was it last week without a sight? We kind of talked about the colorblindness of the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that kind of applies here too, where it gets into it more than I expected it to. Yeah. And, I, and right. not just like colorblindness about people of color, but also just that lens on any sort of, uh, minority group. You yeah. Know? And, and, you know, they're very accepting mm-hmm. pretty quickly. Yeah. Even the town 20 year old drunks that are going to try to rape Chi Chi. Or yeah, assault Chi Chi oh, or whatever they're gonna do. That see you, yeah, we'll it's, get into that. Yeah, we'll, yeah but yeah, uh, that that's a weird sequence. And but everybody yeah, just turns so real fast. quick. Yeah, and, and that feels like that very '90s thing that we were talking about mm-hmm. last week. Uh, and so you know, kind of seeing those problems, I think it's kind of interesting to talk about this after Out of Sight for sure. Um, so you know, I, I had fun with it. I would probably, if it was on TV, I wouldn't turn it off. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that I loved it. Fair enough, fair enough. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, do you like Tu Wong Fu? Yeah, I'm going to give kind of a similar caveat. I've been to, what, two drag shows in my life, so I'm going to go ahead and say I'm an outsider as well, Uh, only marginally uh, more studied than Arthur. I don't watch Drag Race, and I'm like a 1.52 at best on the Kinsey scale, so I'm not going to you know claim community status. Is it actually true I've been to the most drag shows in this room? That That definitely checks out. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. I'm surprised. Uh, you know me. I'm, I'm an inside boy. I, I, social interactions make me. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I like going to stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I've, I've, it's one of those things. Once I'd been to a couple, I was like, okay, I, I think I'm due to go to another one for sure. 
Um, there's actually one coming up pretty soon that's also a roller derby match we can talk about later. Firefly's coming to Oklahoma State, just saying. Okay, we'll get into this more. But my, my point is, with the, I wanted to give the same caveats. I'm kind of with, with you, Arthur. Like, I, I very much went into this with a skeptical and critical eye because I was an outsider. I didn't want to get won over too hard on the, by this yeah. movie because... You know, of of the element of of these these straight actors uh, playing gay men in drag, like that's kind of a big buy in. It's nineteen ninety five, so I'm 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 high I'm on high alert uh, going in, and I'm with you. It does win me over for the most part. I had a lot of fun watching it. It's but, that white savior thing, I think, where it's like, you know, with Green Book, it's like I feel good because oh, we've reached this point yeah. of equality, yeah. Even though we really haven't parsed out the actual issues. Rampant in this community, especially in this, this dynamic. Yeah, and so I, I think that's where it is. Because as an outsider who's not really in this culture, I'm like, oh yeah, this is great, and they're they're treating these the drag queens with great respect. And, and you know, I think there's a part of it is representation. But one of the articles, Alex Hennis, it's like, yeah, it's representation is the best we're going to get. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's that idea. Well, it was an article from 1995 too, which I thought yeah. was really cool. And yeah. Alex uh, gave us some really kind of detailed thoughts on uh, drags. Yeah, you know, current explosion, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. But I sadly, did not read anything. Sorry, guys. It's okay. We can read it on air. It's yeah, really we'll read your thoughts. And yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, Arthur, I'm glad you brought up uh, Out of Sight because the more we watch '90s movies, like the further we get out from the '90s, the more it starts to look like the '50s to me, uh, at least in film. Like the more I start to watch '90s movies and go, God, you guys are dumb. Oh, you're all so stupid. I specifically mean 90s Hollywood cinema starts to look like 50s Hollywood cinema in a way that at times is endearing and kind of cute. And you, you shake your head and go, oh, you knuckleheads. But also I was alive for this one. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lot more like, are you kidding me? Guys, what are we doing? What are we doing? Uh, and that's just, uh, you know, things uh, of which I, I wish I'd been made aware before. Uh is kind of where it comes down to because this movie uh, turns into a, a drag queens as vigilante cowboys movie. I mean, that's that's really kind of the narrative arc of this film. To to not get too into the spoilers, uh, we've already kind of alluded a little bit to them. Most of the film taking place in one town, and it does really turn into them as you know wandering heroes. And that that's a, apparently a trope, uh, as Arthur mentioned. It's something Alex kind of told us that this is a thing that already existed, and uh, that's. Interesting to be made aware of because I, I was kind of perplexed by that aspect of this film because that is how it plays out. Um, uh, I do really like, though, uh, that these handsome male leads, uh, these very good-looking straight dudes at the peak of their careers uh, for two of them and on the ascendancy of their career for one of them, are not having a laugh at this. These are real characters, and, and I am going to... We are going to get into how problematic uh, the casting in, in and of itself is uh, when we get into analysis, probably. But I do think the three of them are trying to build real characters. I think some of them more than others. Um, Dustin's giving me a lot of a sideways, askance glances, <laughs> listener, and it's really throwing me off. So uh, we'll get into his glances later. I, I do think they went for something. And, and to Arthur's point, he, he mentioned the direction kind of didn't really wow him. And I, there's there's one moment that sticks out to me. Um, and it is um, this really interesting choice uh, that that Biban 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 Biban. Let's go. I'm not with, sure. Uh, Biban Kidron, Biban Kidron, uh, the director of this film. She makes this really, I think, really great choice uh, with this opening montage that starts with Swayze stepping out of the shower, looking as hot as he's ever looked, and as with a towel you can see through. Yeah, mm -hmm. just look at just a, a fucking masculine stuff 
really letting the gaze rest on him and then watching his process. And it, it does the same thing. Uh, then it unfolds for uh, Snipes uh, and, and Leguizama. And it, it's a really interesting way we get to, Actually, I don't think Leguizama features in that. Don't montage. get as much. He's you're already... Right, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, he is walking down the street. But yeah. I'm, Without I'm, his wig, I think. Yeah. Well, and the reason that I thought about it, because I was thinking about the close-ups in this montage that I really love. There's a tight, tight, tight close-up on uh, Swayze doing his eye makeup and, and Snipes doing his eye makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's just like a really cool choice to get to watch this transformation. Again, uh, I think... Uh, you, you watch the marketing for, from the time of this film, and they are really making a lot out of uh, Snipes and Swayze's action careers and the marketing for this movie. And I don't think this opening montage does. It, it is making a point of the masculinity of their bodies, uh, but it, it is using that to kind of do some interesting stuff with gender just through narrative cinema tools. Without dialogue, uh, just really bare-bones, uh, classic cinema filmmaking montage really kind of establishing something interesting about the gender dynamics that are going to be on play throughout the film. And that that really does do a lot for me. Uh, those That goodwill uh, gets used up by the fact that they're just in drag all the time uh, and by some of the bigness uh, of some of the performances. And there's some choices that do ring a little, and I think this is why Dustin was glaring at me. They do read, yeah, uh, queer as comedy and not in a fun way uh, at times. Um there, there are some moments of this. I'm like, oh boy, this, this feels like a, let's call it rainbow face uh, for when uh, straight act, Ooh, straight cis actors. Rainbow face. Yeah, it, it does. There's moments where I'm like, oh, this feels problematic. Dustin's make. I don't, I don't know that I, I love that. I don't know that I got to that first, uh, and I don't know that I'm, I'm, I'm allowed to, to coin that uh, and TM it. But I thank give you. you all the credit. Thanks for the props. I appreciate it. Uh, but I agree with you, Dustin. I can, I'm assuming that's what your looks were, and I, I think there are notes of all three performances that veer into that. But I think, I, I, again, I think there are real studied characters here, um, and we'll get into why I think that later. Um, but yeah, I, I'm right there with Arthur. Uh, I just, I'm confused by this movie and delighted by it. I like that the small town comes around and is not portrayed as like deeply homophobic. Uh, I like the kind of wraparound where it's like, dude, yes, they understand what drag queens are. They're not that dumb. Uh, mm-hmm. That's kind of, I kind of like where that ends with the town. But I'm with you, Arthur. There's a lot of gross stuff to get us there. Um, and I think we'll unpack that as we discuss the film. Very good, very good. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. I am of two minds when it comes to this movie. because you as well. You've seen this before, right? I'm, yeah, I have. Okay. And I'm a big believer that representation matters. And so when I see a representation of gay men or drag queens on stage or on screen, I am all about that. And I think in 1995 that was an important moment. And a big deal. Valuable insofar as it is what it is. And seeing these big, hunky guys um, doing those performances, I think it's useful to see yeah. a guy like Wesley Snipes with his uh, seven black belts in Taekwondo or Patrick Swayze and all of his pottery making and uh, see those kinds of actors do this kind of... You know, that is a, it was just a weird pull for you to go to, but okay. Yeah, you know what I'm no, saying? No, I know. I knew exactly yeah, yeah, what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, very, with his dancer's physique and I his mean, pottery making. 90s sex icon... Right, Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze. Women and men of all stripes wanted to get with Swayze for all of the '80s and '90s. This well, is a fact. More Roadhouse Swayze than I don't know. Ghost Swayze's a good pull. Ghost as soon as he, Swayze. the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. we should do Ghost. Uh, oh, we should do Ghost. No, we should do Ghost. All right, sorry um, to derail I watched you. It recently, actually. Um, nonetheless, uh, so I like that these guys are taking on this role. And in a way, doing what's you know we call in the rhetoric biz the normalizing gaze, mm-hmm. and so I'm 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 happy about that. I'm thrilled about that. 
hard stop. Okay. Because now we got to talk about the movie. Mm-hmm. You think the movie's bad? The movie sucks. It's pretty bad. I think it's fun, but and again, I'm I'm more with Arthur. But I, yeah, to, who pacing no, tone? No. It's all pacing bad. tone. I laugh sometimes. I yeah. mean, so that that's successful. I do not believe Wesley Snipes' his performance at all, ever for not a single second. I do not believe it at all. We're gonna he disagree is, real he hard is on doing this one. <laughs> gay with all the caps and he, all the exclamation points. I, I mean, don't he, think he's he, he is, but the it's other a, two. He, yeah, I think I no. think Leguizamo's is worse in that regard. But I I think they're both uh, doing. Real characters. Uh, okay, I think Leguizamo's is real mixed. It's well, probably off balance. I, yeah. I think at points his is probably the strongest, but then there are those moments where it's so. I will, and I think that offsets it, it. But there aren't the strong moments from Snipes for me. Yeah, I, he okay. just he's terrible um, mm. for me. He just he is like okay. So what is the most flamboyant thing I can do right now? And that's what he does. And he again doing gay in all caps. Okay, and I'm that's a fair reading. I'm not going to uh, fight you. We'll talk. I'll I'll defend it more later. But that's a fair reading. And then fundamentally, the narrative is the magical minority yeah and in this case it is a magical minority in which these uh gay men who are also drag queens they voltron into a clint eastwood character well no they well i mean yes but they they show up in the small town and they solve all these straight people's problems yeah and that's exactly the problem of this kind of narrative. And I mean, I, I try to defend um, once upon a year ago, uh, the Legend of Bagger Vance, which has the same kind of problem going with it because I love golf and uh, I like I like that about that movie. And um, maybe I'm slightly more invested in the world of golf than I am in anything else. Um, but that being Such said, a weird revelation. I, I wasn't on that episode, so this is news to me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I, I went I, to bad for that one. I went to bad wow. because no, the, him liking golf is news to me. Uh, the Bagger Vance, I could take or leave that. The golf. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin Sells loves this fucking rich man's game. I used to have a scratch handicap, my friend. My um, lord, I am nonetheless shook to my core. Um, nonetheless, I have two holes in ones. Oh my god, get on my level. So second. anyway, anyway, uh, um, you I will to... never be on your level in no. golf. I promise you. <laughs> I, I, I will never try. I take joy and pride in the fact that I will never be on your level in golf. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It's a fun game. It's like a good walk spoiled. Um, to I like putt putt. Oh, Puppet's that's fun, yeah. Um, but nonetheless, I love children's games. <laughs> that movie, um, which otherwise would be pretty okay, is troubled by its magical minority mm-hmm. usage. Yeah. And this movie has exactly the same ailment. Yeah. It is a movie in which the uh, minority characters serve as sort of this magical sort yep. of set of observations and perspectives that are going to turn everybody's uh, problems around, and they do not deal with any of the real circumstances and problems that that community would deal with. Are you sure you didn't read the articles? That I, Alex said, I, because that is exactly the arguments made in the 95 article. Well, they're right. Yeah. Well, and this okay. Is, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm with them then. To, yeah. To take a sidebar. But I mean, verbatim, I mean, you sound like you're paraphrasing the, the oh, No, no. I mean, so, which that, is really cool. That is really cool. But that's, yeah. that's the thing. Like, I, I kind of gave the movie even more, because I was kind of there. I, as soon as Wesley Snipes reminds everybody how much danger they're in crossing through middle America, and as soon as there is a payoff, like, it comes up twice before there actually is danger present. Uh, and that was the moment where I was like, oh, okay. All right, they are getting real with it. But then it gets super silly and nonsensical. Again. Oh, yeah, yeah. You na- you and named- that's kind of where I... It's I- an issues <clears throat> film produced by Steven Spielberg. That's not think, wrong. That's where it comes down. I think that's you what got it comes it. down I to. forgot this was an Amblin movie. But, yeah. I mean, they name drop the sort of idea of violence and uh, oppression with the Chris Penn character. Yeah. You know, well, um, and Sheriff was, Dullard. But he's Dullard. such a Barney the Fife. He's oh, so Barney the uh, Fife. We are going to talk about <laughs> Sheriff Dullard when we get to analysis. Sir Barney the Fife. Oh, God. 
I can't with that character, guys. Thank you for Sir Barney the Five. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I needed Sir Barney the Five to get me through Sheriff Dollard. Uh, oh, he's Sheriff Dollard. <laughs> Stick That's with that. It's a great bit. It is a, it is a funny bit. It's a studio note, and we'll get to how. Mad yeah, I am well, about then it. the Cinderella bit with the shoe, yeah, nonetheless. Yeah. And and I mean I I'm the way the witch the town sort of surrounds them is great except for it's so inaccurate. Yeah, it, it is a real phoned in Spartacus moment. And so yeah, it's, it, that is exactly what it is. We do not deal with issues of attraction. Mm-hmm. We do not deal with issues of I mean other than again sort of the name drop of a moment where um again um Patrick Swayze's character goes by his old home and his mother yeah. turns around and walks away. We don't really deal with that issue yeah we just sort of name it as a thing mm-hmm. that exists mm-hmm. we don't talk about hiv aids we don't talk about um problems of just um again violence we don't talk about just the ways in which um frequent oppressions take place that they show up and they're also passing and that's really mm-hmm. frustrating uh, when yep. they show up at the hotel and they're like oh immediately invited to the girls yeah, well, and then they do the magical realism thing where they're just throwing stuff on the wall and sticking yeah oh yeah when it turned into magical realism queer eye i was like what <laughs> Exactly. Every time this movie buys goodwill, it like immediately spins. Yeah, it. It, and it just can't. It can't make money. Uh, to to I don't know. Make a weird metaphor. So it bugs me tonsies. Um. So apparently, when I get to expanding the syllabus, I want to recommend Alex's readings. Um. I'll sounds, probably beat you to that. Sounds like it. Um. But um. Nonetheless, despite the fact that I am excited about it being 1995. Mm-hmm. Sure. And uh, the representation and existing and these masculine, um stars taking on these roles is useful the movie itself is kind of a dog turd and uh, that's mm-hmm. kind of where i lay down with that so um there you go dear listener our biases are um what they are i'm going to move right along and we're going to expand that their syllabus and talk about teaching this movie as part of a class i'm going to do first arthur what do you say how would you do this i wouldn't i would have a substitute teacher uh and her name is alex bohannon yes i uh, would too and so i will uh just go ahead and parse this out for you because she sent us a lot of great stuff she did um i'll read you her thoughts a minute but let's let's get started uh i had to work today I uh, I think first she would recommend uh, Paris is Burning, uh, the documentary, and then also some RuPaul's Drag uh, Race. Is drag, that, race. Drag, yeah. drag Race. Uh, which uh, the new season is debuting uh, the week after this drops, so be on the lookout for that next week, there I, you go. I guess. Season 12. Uh, she's yeah. very hyped about that. There's also a ton of it just streaming right now if you want to get yeah. into it. Uh, so the first, uh, the first bit, uh, that she sent was from the Washington Post. It's called Tu Wong Fu Skirts the Truth, uh, by David DeNicola. And, um, yeah, and this was published in 1995. Yeah, when the film so came it's out. very, very current. It's a very great deep dive. It's more than I mean, it's a film review, but it's also a great analysis. Not only of the movie, but of the time. It's a proto, uh, yeah, like think piece type. Yeah, exactly. Essay. Yeah, really it, more than a review. Yeah, it um, really is part of like modern it, film essay culture. Yeah, it seems like, and it highlights kind of the history of drag leading up to and in cinema leading up to this point in 95, and not even not you know in in culture as a large, not just on film, but just in culture as a whole um and then he gets into a lot of the things you mentioned the quoting the the idea that you know these are uh i don't think of you a man i don't think of you as a woman i think of you an angel which reinforces that magical trope you're yeah the magical about. minority that was the the line that made me write my notes oh damn is this movie homophobic yeah, yeah that i know i'm still wrestling with it i still don't know um but it's just a great read uh and you can find it on washingtonpost.com um, but then Alex goes on to say that uh, Nicola argues that people enjoy what drag queens and queer people can do for them without seeing those people as people, treating them as guardian angels who sweep in to save others and give uh, some laughs without needs of their own. 
next. And it's that trope we see. You know, you always have the gay best friend who's going to help you get a great costume and help you fit into a different tier of society you might not have. And we see it in Mrs. Doubtfire with his uh, brother in mm-hmm. that uh, uh, Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein, yeah. I mean, it's Hollywood has used uh, minority characters in pretty much the same, like, two archetypes yeah. interchangeably regardless of their, the, you know, who they are as a human being. Yeah. yeah. And then... Uh, Alex went on to say, building on author David Nicola's points, this movie came out in a time of drag entering the mainstream fashion conversation. Uh, the fashion scene loved drag queens. Plus, RuPaul's album Supermodel of the World from 93 was a smash hit with a gold single on the Billboard charts. Uh, in modern day society, we're in a similar cycle that is all too close to this 20-year-old article. Drag is popular but has penetrated beyond just the fashion culture. Drag is a pop culture mainstay. You can get drag queen merch and Funko Pops at Hot Topic. Uh, RuPaul is a global icon with a multi-million dollar drag enterprise in his wake. Shows like TBS's Drag Me Down the Aisle and MTV's Drag My Dad have similar premises to Tu Wong Fu's uh, Sometimes It Just Takes a Fairy uh, and thrift store sequences, giving people the courage to do something daring because guardian angel drag queens show up. RuPaul's Drag Race also has makeover challenges each season as well, usually of straight people. Uh, but drag is at its core political commentary. Look at 91's Paris is Burning and FX's Pose. Queer people are dealing with real issues. LGBTQ people make up 18.9% of all hate crimes in the United States, which makes it the second most frequent hate crime in the U.S. in 2018. Crimes with LGBTQ victims are also less frequently reported due to a fairly justified fear of police. Uh, We know that not all movies that tackle a subject matter uh, need to investigate all the complexity and depth. We also know Tu Wong Fu is a comedy, but it's blind to not note a similar media cycle that Tu Wong Fu was playing into and playing out today with the RuPaul's Drag Race phenomenon. And while drag queens are entertainers at their core, it's vital to note the real societal issues that surround drag performance. Not acknowledging them as humans with needs underneath the makeup and wig is a tragic attitude toward their art. Damn, thanks, Alex. Yeah, she she just really kills it. Uh, And she also drops a random nugget. Uh, She shared a fun infographic about the trickle-up linguistics. Yeah, ContraPoints, who has some really great essays. uh, She she shared us uh, that ContraPoints posted this on her uh, Tumblr, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the trickle up of, of slang. Yeah, and, and she says that lots of the language used in the ballroom scene and drag communities get used so much that it becomes incorporated into modern day speech. Uh, for example, spill the tea or fierce or realness. Uh, and, and she shared that with us. Um, and then I coupled this with a article I found on advocate.com uh, from, oh, one of the uh, production assistants at Amblin uh, who was out as a gay. Uh, he and his partner had moved there. Uh, and he talks about how he had gotten his hands on the script and got it to Steven uh, and, and moved forward with this movie and the struggle they had. And like they couldn't find a male director. No male director would t- uh, tackle it. Right. And so Bieben had just came off of a, I think, a TV miniseries. And so they brought her in to do it. Um, and then, you know, there was there was kind of this internal pride in, in, in the writing of this article. Um, yeah, I, re- I read parts of that from that uh, Mitch Kahn. There Thank we go. You. Yeah, I didn't have the name off the hand either, but it's I re- yeah, it's really an interesting kind of like look into being uh, helping shepherd this film into existence. Yeah, yeah and, and so there's kind of this I think bittersweet legacy for the film, um, and so I think this is a really interesting read as well, which kind of gets into that uh, and, and gets into the, some of the LGBTQ culture behind it, and, and also the kind of inspiration to encourage others at Amblin to come out. Uh, and he states in here when he arrived, he was the only out person. Mm-hmm. Um, there, uh, but after the movie, others started to come out, oh. and then once Kathy Kennedy left, and somebody others came in to take over at Amblin, um, 
he was let go. Oh, wow. And he couldn't get a job at any other studios oh, and wow. actually found a uh, job teaching English, and that's what he's been doing. I think this was published in 2015, so in that 20 years, wow. he says that he just continued teaching because he couldn't get on hired on. He was told that he wasn't really a Hollywood executive. He was more of an indie executive. Mm. Because he worked at Amblin. But the indie studio was, so big, it yeah. was basically a major studio. You know, because he, was, because he was out. That's yeah. horseshit. Gross. But uh, yeah, uh, so the 90s. Uh, Alex, no, I'm getting pissed. Now, honestly. Alex just did a really great job uh, giving us some great insight information. Yeah. Uh, and I think she would do a great job teaching this course uh, because she, she is very, very knowledgeable about all of this. And that would be uh, the end of me uh, trying to do anything with this. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What do you say, Mr. Dalton Stewart? Well, I'm, I'm glad Arthur went that route because uh, the first route I was going to go was I'm not qualified to teach this class. So th- the class I was going to pitch was the class I'm going to take uh, to, to better understand. <laughs> to learn. To, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm glad that that, that came up. Uh, but yeah, again, I didn't, I didn't do enough. I didn't have time to do enough homework on that because I was like, the only things that immediately came to mind were Priscilla, Priscilla Queen of the Desert and Pose. Uh, yeah. I did watch the first two episodes of Pose, by the way. It rules. It's a great show. You should be watching I it. I love Billy Porter. Oh, Billy Porter. I haven't yeah. seen Pose, but I just love watching Billy yeah, Porter do stuff. Just, is a great person to have like as a mainstay of popular culture. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, Pose is good and, and I think really is a, a great narrative TV show to kind of encapsulate very quickly for you what Alex was kind of getting at is reminding uh, everyone uh, that so much of all mainstream and big fat air quotes uh, American pop culture stems from uh, the queer uh, community of color specifically like it's it's just an pose like showing that the, the ballroom scene in new york uh, and it's it's deep roots in that community is, is really important uh good show yeah i like it a lot uh but again yeah i didn't have enough time to do all because obviously there's so much reading that needs to be done uh for that that course and and also like uh there's multiple docs about marsha p johnson and i think some of them are people have bad opinions about for good reasons so i i didn't know which one's good and i didn't have time to do the research so yeah i can't teach that class thank you alex and uh, thank you arthur for bringing alex's insights so the class that we are actually going to take is the 90s were the 50s um, <laughs> i am going to expand on that so maybe i'll come in uh on that that class teaching you what you actually need to know to to dissect uh to wong fu i'll come in and kind of talk about the state of, of 90s hollywood cinema and talk about all these damn 90s movies that are so excited about the 50s. It's unreal. Uh, so we're going to just list them off real quick, uh, the ones that we're going to actually be talking about. Sandlot, Crybaby, uh, and Pleasantville, uh, in addition uh, to Tu Wong Fu. And I, I think those three, again, their nature as, as either period pieces or uh, deconstructions of the 50s, um, all of them, um, in some varying regards. I know Sandlot's set in the 60s, but it's the early 60s, so come on, it's basically the 50s. Um, I, I think all of those kind of can give us a little bit of text uh, and flavor for just this this very weird moment in cinema that's taking place between the end of the Cold War and, and 9-11. Like, that really is the most interesting thing about 90s cinema is it is a pocket of, of American culture that time forgot. Uh, it, it was a time of, uh, I don't know, uh, bad weed, bad club drugs, uh, heroin, and neoliberalism. Everybody had their brain turned off. Uh, not everybody. You know what I mean. Uh, culture had its brain turned off. Uh, it's a weird time. Uh, so I think these films uh, kind of give us some text. I think Crybaby, obviously, being a John Waters film, is going to be a great one to kind of give that scant view at this time that the 90s is so heavily nostal- nostalgizing. 
Nostalgic for? Yeah. I like making up words. You know that. Uh, and They're again, all made up. I know we get this starting in the 70s and 80s, obviously, uh, with things like uh, Grease and American Graffiti. Like, this 50s nostalgia is already happening, but it really does kind of, like, metastasize in the 90s. I mean, I I didn't even bring in uh, Forrest Gump, but the 90s is kind of the moment where uh, boomer nostalgia does just kind of eat away at Hollywood a little bit. And, again, it's not just in the period piece stuff uh, in the matter of Tuong Fu. It's a matter of just structure of a story. It is grafting a drag queen story on top of a 50s movie. That is what happens in this film. Uh, and as the beats played out, I just kept getting shocked at like how obvious the next beat of the, the next coming beat was going to be because it is such a traditional Hollywood narrative. Uh, which again, you can make a traditional Hollywood narrative with drag queens. That's fine. We've already introduced all the reasons you need to complicate that if that's what you're trying to do. Uh, not every movie about the queer community needs to be tangerine, right? Like, I, I get it. Uh, and that's, I think Alex may have, uh, brought that up in, in uh, her remarks that she sent Arthur. Like, uh, we, not, we, as people who talk about discourse, uh, understand that this is a comedy. But, yeah, we got to problematize these things when uh, they, they're screaming in our faces <laughs> asking us to problematize them. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think kind of looking at the 90s as this decade of unpacking um, American exceptionalism in half measures is going to be really fruitful. Uh, so that's what I got. Excellent, excellent. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. So I'm going to begin with a long way into why I'm about to say what I'm about to say. Okay. And that begins with The West Wing, which is a show I love, but also I find super problematic. And so um, check out The West Wing thing. Um, oh, yeah, that's... Uh... Oh my gosh, Dave! Um, the funny guys. It's the guy that does the doll. Oh my yeah, gosh, yeah, Dave, what? that funny guy, and that other Dave guy. Anthony, uh, and that other funny guy. Yeah, who else? Anyway, but uh, yeah, I, I'm glad you referenced that. Um, but um, there's a moment in season seven mm-hmm. in which um, there has been a law passed, and uh, Jimmy Smith is playing the new candidate who's going to replace Bartlett, and he's Latino, and he's in California. Um, I should hope so. He's played by Jimmy Smith. That would be a a, a bad uh, blind spot. Well, he <laughs> on is on the writers' Latino room. Latino in all caps. Oh like, no. Okay, so, so they did do the writers' room yeah, thing. Okay. And and so I mean you know and one of the things that happens is there's this weird uh, regressive. Um, citizenship driver's license law that gets passed by the house Mm -hmm. in california Mm -hmm. and uh ray wise from twin peaks shows up as the governor of california oh yeah and uh, it's a a fun moment there's a long way getting here but stay with me that's why i'm kind of peppering in the jokes we're keeping this flowing um and and there's this moment in which um santiago that's the character played by jimmy smith is kept being asked to take a stand against this regressive law. Okay. And he's like, I don't want to be the Latino candidate. I don't mm-hmm. want to, I want to be the candidate for everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, it, the, the, the episode moves on and on. And again, it's neoliberalism is what it is. But there's a moment at the end where Jimmy Smith says, the, 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 the fact of the matter is, these Californians don't need to hear it from me that this law is barbaric. They need to hear it from this white guy that is barbaric. I assume he's pointing at Ray Wise when he says Pointing at Ray Wise, yeah. And it's it's like somebody who doesn't look like me needs to say this. And and so this is one of those moments where I'm looking at this um, movie Mm -hmm. and what I would teach in a class, and I'm a cis white guy. Well, thank you. I mean, you are. We're we're bringing this background to what we've been talking about the whole episode, but you are pointing out that, like, we're in a weird place to problematize this, even though we all kind of want to and know we should. 
But you're, thank you for bringing that up. And I, I think that's where it needs to be. Yeah. I mean, there, there, it needs to be people of the community who need to be saying this as well, for sure. I don't think. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think. And I, and I think the West Wing would probably argue that Jimmy Smith needs to shut up, which is Sorkin's problem. Mm-hmm. And so I do think the Latino community does need to speak out in a situation like this, or the gay or um, trans communities would need to speak out. But I think, in addition, allies. Yeah. Saying these kind of things are really, really useful and really, really helpful. And that is the, the Sorkin not seeing the forest for the trees, but right. kind of still making a good point. Yeah. Is, yeah, allies need to be vocal. And so I roll up my sleeves as I'm beginning to talk here because I feel like this desperate need to be an ally when I look at this movie and mm-hmm. think about how I teach this in the course of a class. Mm-hmm. And um, what I would think is that you would look at Tu Wong Fu and then you'd look at a couple other 90s movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, which is a slightly better representation. That's my understanding is it gets it a lot better. Significantly better, yeah. um, I would say. Um, and also um, Robin Williams again in The Birdcage. Now that's a one that... Uh is kind of known to be problematic. It, 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 but it seems I, I I don't hear people like drag that that often though. Well, what's, I do hear people go to bat for that fairly often. So what ends up happening is Robin Williams has a straight son. Yeah, I know right. the I know the plot of the okay. birdcage. Yeah, and and so like the straight son asks of his gay father and his gay um, father's husband. Um, who's not, you know, obviously biologically related, um, to pretend not to be gay. Yeah, he has to sort of pass for him, and then that's for the, the, the it's based on a French movie, right? Yeah, and and then Gene Hackman is this like super conservative senator who shows up, who ends up in drag by the end of the movie, and it's hilarious. Um, and wow. so there's there's a lot to like about the Birdcage, which I saw in 1995 in an R-rated screening when I was 15 years old with my grandmother. Oh, this is a game changer for you then, huh? And she cackled the entire a time. Game changer for you and your family. It was so much fun. Yeah. I don't, I really don't know why she liked it because it. Really really made fun of Trent Lott and that particular group of Republicans yeah. um, at that time. But nonetheless, and she was so into that. Nonetheless, um, hmm. but looking at that movie... That's six nonetheless, if you've been counting now, yeah, listener. Many nuns the less. Um, and the movie does begin to sort of ask these questions about, do you pretend to be somebody you're not for the sake of you know, decorum, people you love, the people you love. How do you, mm-hmm. how do you sort of keep the peace? You know, family gatherings. Are you obligated to do those things? Right, yeah. and and asking those questions. Is it okay to ask? Is it okay not to ask? Is you know those? And I, I think that's all really, really interesting. And then I want to add to that some more transgressive cinema. I want to look at Boys Don't Cry. Mm-hmm. I want to look at The Crying Game, mm-hmm. um, which would be two major sort of transgender films that go alongside The Birdcage. And still kind of contemporary with all the other films you're talking about. Yeah. And so looking at that, and then probably 1981's uh, The Celluloid Closet by Mm -hmm. um, um, Vito, I forget his last name, Um, The Celluloid Closet, which is a pretty well-known book, which was later made into a documentary feature, um, talking about sort of just the way in which um, gayness hides inside of uh, American cinema. Uh, It was just kind of breaking down all the the characters that have been coded queer and the tropes that are coded that that way as well. Well, that and actors and actresses who were were gay as well, who had to hide. Gotcha. But the ways in which they hinted and winked. Add okay. that as well. So, so it's, it's it's not just the bad stuff. It's also kind of like the the good there's a, parts there's a, of it. There's an impish joyousness in there gotcha, as well. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, that's but really fun. A, a lot of the bad stuff as well. Sure. And uh, sort of just thinking about that particular historical moment and what representation does in terms of moving the needle forward mm-hmm. and asking the questions of a politics um, in, in art that um, is super – you know, problematic. That's super full of a lot of things that we would look at now and say, Robin Williams, do not pretend to be straight for the sake of your son. Your son is kind of a butthole for asking this. This is awful. And uh, that he shouldn't do that. And really, any son in that situation wouldn't ask that. 
but we believe it because it's 1996, mm. and that's just what we expect this movie to be doing. And then looking at, again, the Guy Pierce and Hugo Weaving uh, performances in Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, looking at Tu Wong Fu, thinking about um, the, the Brandon Tina issues um, surrounding uh, the crying game, looking mm. at, not the crying game, sorry, Boys Don't Cry. Yeah. But there's crying in both words, both yeah. titles, which is a little confusing. Well, there's crying in both movies. There's well, <laughs> significant amounts. And of the crying. audience for both movies. Well, I was talking about me. Actually, oh. I haven't seen uh, the crying game, but yeah, yeah boys don't cry. Crying is definitely sad as well. That's what I've heard. Um, but thinking about those dramas mm-hmm. in uh, counterpoint to these comedies mm-hmm. and just what we're dealing with in the '90s, which is on the sort of like uh, I don't know the ebbing edge of the HIV crisis. Yeah, and but it's, you know, it's it's the ebbing edge, but it's still like. Only now is the the culture of America like unpacking how deeply bad it was in the eighties and how uh, it just kind of got swept under the right. rug. Yeah, and so I'm at a point with the class as I roll up my sleeves as this like cis white boy who just mm-hmm. wants to be an ally. I don't know the focus, so I'm naming lots of stuff because there's just so much going mm-hmm. on here, and I want to sort of advocate in the ways that are useful. Yeah. But I, I, actually, I invite listener feedback for this particular bit of the syllabus because I would really much like to teach some module at some point in my life in some kind of class. That deals with this. So what are your recommendations? How would you hone it? How would you work these particular items together? I would love to hear that because, yeah, I think this is needful and useful. So, I mean, that's where I fall down uh, in terms of expanding that. Their syllabus and your syllabus, dear listener, just got significantly longer. Let's move on, though, to what we came here to do. I got my business socks on. It is time to get down to business. It's business. It's business time. You okay. just dabbed. I just did a power dab to get excited to do the business. So, um, the business is analysis, which we've basically yeah, been doing the whole episode. I know. I was going to say, it's been pretty heavy already. Yeah. Well, let's talk about race, which is what we haven't talked about. Yeah. There's a great scene that gets into it. So, uh, and I, I learned that there's some behind the scenes drama to this scene. Oh, uh, really? Yes. Ooh, what's the scuttlebutt? Uh, well, the scuttlebutt. Or it, spill the tea, if you will. Fuck. <laughs> wow. Oh no! I well, hey, listener, you heard it here first. Spill the tea is officially over. It's out. It's only boomers say it now. Because cute. Because if you're about to tell me there was Kai Kai between Leguizamo and uh, Wesley Snipes, I'll be very pleased. But I'll get there. I'm just gonna say, uh, cis millennial white guy saying it that way is. I think that's when it's done. It's not when drunk white girls get to it. It is when we <laughs> when I get to when it. you get to it and deliberately put no. Let mustard. me get my Kermit meme yeah. ready. You just put all the mayonnaise on it. <laughs> oh my. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, there is uh, apparently Patrick Swayze, who I love, called Johnny Legs the WB word uh, mm. while they were making the movie. Now, I don't know. Well, the, the word swayback keeps being used, which is not racially charged. It's a horse term. Yeah, I don't I don't know about that one. I'm yeah. not gonna, we're not going to get it. It's, it's a problem. With, with, I didn't hear that. I didn't catch that one come yeah. up in the movie. But I anyway, so there's this scene where uh, Chi Chi's like, hey. Quit butting in, uh, Miss Vita Bohem. Like, you don't know what's going on in this town. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is a, a moment where I think Chi Chi is really kind of a well drawn character. Yeah. Uh, where she does kind of point out, like, you are making things worse for these people by butting in. Uh, and, you know, there, there are some exchanges. And then Wesley Snipes is sitting on the bed the whole time. Every time Vita walks up to a racial epithet, Vita, or, uh, Nagzima keeps going, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. Uh, and you did it. And you And there. it's kind of a, it is racially speaking, as far as the politics of this film go, Dustin, and it is the scene of, of the film because it is the one that kind of, I mean, it's, it is kind of alluded to. I mean, one of the first lines Nagzima has to Chi Chi is, why are you crying? Uh, what is it? Little Latin boy. Little Latin boy in drag. That's, yeah. 
And so, you know, we, we kind of are skirting around it. These are three men that are, like, very comfortable with each other. But, you know, so there's some playfulness to it. But it does, you kind of wonder, is it going to get weird? Because the dynamic starts weird. Like, it does start out with Swayze. And I think the film... Oh, it's weird. I think the film knows. Well, when, when they, Chi-Chi calls uh, Vita out, it, it does kind of underline what that the dynamic has been weird the whole movie. Yeah, uh, and that it has been Vita being bossy to the two of them. Well, and then I mean, she calls her a honky cracker. Yeah, exactly. so there is that. Well, and then Leguizamo in this interview did acknowledge that he was like, "Well, I was calling him honky cracker too." So I was like, "Oh, so did this actually happen in the scene? And did they go off book? Like that's what I'm I'm wondering." Did he did? Yeah, did it, did it actually? They were two in character, and yeah. people got mean and went off book. That's what I wonder. But uh, yeah, that's the that's the T that I have, Arthur. I, I learned <laughs> that Leguizamo, and they, I guess they both wrote. Uh, they both kind of talked about. It, I guess Swayze. Wrote about it in his autobiography, and Johnny Legs in this interview was like, "That was kind of interesting insight to see it from his perspective." Uh, I mean, they 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 seem to not like have any, but I guess uh, Wesley also uh, was like, "Hey, you know, if you want to take a shot at him, I got your back." Yeah. Like so, Wesley was was like, "If you want to, if we want to swing on Swayze, I got you," yeah. <laughs> which is very funny. I'm so happy, but that sucks, right? You hate to hear that. I mean, yeah. that's like the third story that we've told on this show of, of us learning about Swayze not being great on set. That's a bummer. Yeah, it's too bad. But, it, you know, it makes sense. And I think this is why Vita is such a good character. Uh, is, uh, you know, uh, Swayze, you know, got bullied a lot for being a dancer in Texas, man. Like, I a think. A ballet dancer. A ballet dancer, yeah. yeah you don't dance no ballet in Texas. Yeah. You can two step all you want. But. Yeah, thank you for clarifying, Dustin. He was a ballet dancer in Texas. And I think, you know, that lends something to Vita, you know, having to ostracize herself from her family to, to live. Uh, authentically like i think there's some real li- lived life that swayze's able to get into this role but yeah maybe don't call your coworker uh, a slur and l- if it's not in the script huh uh so who boy yeah well I mean, what else do you i just wanted to give that little behind the scenes tidbit let's talk about this white bread town of snyderville okay uh, full full white people who seem not to notice at all it is so unclear for the whole movie who knows and who doesn't right that these are men, and, men drag. and drag, but yeah. also they're 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 utterly unaware of race. It seems it's Miss Chichi, it mm-hmm. is Miss Noxima, which mm-hmm. is a great drag name. Um, I, I will give that. Um, it's a great '90s drag name, especially for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, but that being said, there's no real kind of awareness or acknowledgement. I'm telling you, what well, this is a film that starts with uh, RuPaul herself uh, in a Confederate flag <laughs> ball gown. Rachel uh, Tensions. Rachel Tensions. Rachel Tensions. Great. Oh my! What are you kidding me? Incredible. But that's the thing is the first 15 minutes of this movie, we actually get to see like some real drag queens and they all obviously look way better than the three lead drag queens. And the thing that works about RuPaul and I'm, I'm sort of switching subjects now. It's but, okay. We're kind of mixing the, and matching. The, but the thing that works with that particular sequence is the intentionally transgressiveness that oh, sure. is the thing that is called drag. It is. Yeah. Exactly. It, but that's, it's interesting to have that deliberately like very drag, like racial transgression to like, again, it's very cool to have RuPaul messing with people mm-hmm. and for the movie to start there and go where we end up yeah. is, and is so like, I mean, again, it spins all of its goodwill. I mean, I mean, Chris Penn drops a couple of racial slurs mm-hmm. just talking about it's troubling that mm-hmm. you are all in a car together. Mm-hmm. But he's the only person in this entire community that seems to even notice their racial makeup, right? Well, we'll talk about how uh, racial, sexual, and gender divides are used to subjugate and divide the working people here in a moment. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, it is interesting, and I think it's interesting for that reason. Yeah. Uh, And so, I mean, that's the thing I I really notice is that the blackness of Wesley Mm -hmm. Snipes and the Latino-ness of John Leguizamo don't really factor 
other than one sort of exchange. But it's not because of their racial difference that they have a problem with one another. They're sort of aware of that. And the way in which they just seek to hurt each other yeah. is by heaping slurs. And so it doesn't it doesn't really wrestle with questions of racial identity. What does it mean to be a Latino who is also Again, gay and it, a drag? It's a very 90s thing. Right. It is, oh, the, when people who are different races that are friends get mad at each other, they say slurs at each other, which don't do that. Right. Don't. Not okay. You'll feel bad about it. But beyond even that, um, their, 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 their racial identity, their minority racial status mm-hmm. is subsumed under their sexual, and it, it lacks intersectionality of, of, the, of the various things. There you things go. You found the cleanest with. way to yeah. put it. And so I'm, I'm just I'm troubled by that. It's frustrating, for sure. Uh, I, I don't know, though. Uh, to, to the point of the small town, um, I, I'm with Arthur. I do get heartwarmed. I, I really thought it was Blythe Danner. Was the, was, is she not the mute uh, who turns out not to be mute? Mm-hmm. What is that character's name? Son of a gun. That's She's the, right the one that's in uh, Ace Ventura. Laces yeah. out. Oh, my laces gosh. Out. She is laces out. Oh, so many. See, what a, what, a, what a film. What a cast. The Blythe Danner is the one that's uh, doing all the gossiping when they get to town. Oh, duh. Okay. I, oh, right on. Ma- yeah. Okay. I did some face and, she and hooks up with the cafe reason. owner. Okay. Blythe Danner is not as old as I thought that she was. That interracial couple is interesting. It is. Divine. Well, and that's what I'm getting to with the, the small town. Like, I, I'm with Arthur. I am legitimately heartwarmed at a depiction of a small town being very accepting uh, of something that they don't understand. Uh, because there are too many Hollywood movies that have... I mean, we talked about this when we talked about Deliverance. There are too many damn Hollywood movies that have fun uh, making fun of the center of the country. Uh, I'm sorry, we're not... Even the ones of us that are dumb, poor, and inbred aren't all bigots. <laughs> I thought, I, I really thought for the longest time that the kind of climactic moment there when the sheriff does come back into town mm-hmm. was going to be them being outed yeah. as men mm-hmm. and the town would turn on Turn on. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't go that. And I think that's a smart move. Yeah. It's very heartwarming and wholesome. And it does like, oh, it does. It gets me. It does yeah. get me. Uh, but I am with Dustin that it is a phoned in Spartacus moment. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but I like yeah. it. It's it gets to it gets some uh it legitimately gets some Herzog ecstatic truth for me. It really yeah. does. I don't believe it for a second as reality. Yeah. But I I believe the spirit of it, if that makes yeah. sense. You want to want you want it. I want it. And yeah. again, I I am with Dustin. I think the reality of uh small town 1995, yeah, probably not real life, but that's not a real small town. That is clearly an old disused set. Yes. So the rules of it reality feels like and somewhere logic in West Nebraska. It's an invented place, invented yeah. by a Hollywood screenplay. Exactly. It's really interesting. I uh, just on this topic because mm-hmm. a few years ago, uh, my family is all from very south, very rural Louisiana. Mm-hmm. My dad was very racist. Not oh well, I think he tempered off in his older age, but I, I would assume he was very racist mm-hmm. younger, and he still used words that you shouldn't use mm. because it was just how he was raised mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff. But um, we went down there for a funeral a few years ago and one of my distant cousins had come out as lesbian mm-hmm. and she had a partner and everybody said that the family was very open and welcome to that. Nice. Which was very surprising to me. The rules. Yeah. That does. But work. it was really cool. Yeah. And so I, I think about that a lot with, with this because it is not a community that I would have imagined to be open to that. Mm-hmm. You know, when there's that idea that family, I mean, family is very close yeah. in, in that part of the country. Well, and it, I, yeah, I was going to say in this part of the country in general. I mean, I, like Oklahoma, they, what are the, whether you're talking like Ozarks, uh, further into the Gulf, like 
you probably have a family member that you immediately came to mind when Arthur was telling that story that was ostracized for being gay. Uh, and if you don't know them, it's probably because they got ostracized before you were born. Yeah. Uh, it's a common thing, dude. Like, everybody I know from this part of the country just, like, has a family member that big swaths of the family don't talk to for well, reasons related to That's our weird their, uncle their that we don't go see. And yeah. Susie and her roommate. Exactly. Like, it, yeah. it, it is a common, common thing. And again, I don't, I don't know how common this is in other parts of the country that were, uh, you know, uh, got... Uh, more with the times more quickly. Uh, so I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious. But everybody I know that grew up uh, around, you know, certain parts, that's just a common experience. And it blows so bad. It's awful. It is. It is. Uh, I want to move our conversation a yeah, little we, bit over. We kind of got sidetracked. Towards uh, villainy um, mm. and the way in which Chris Penn's villainy works. Because it seems to me that um, his villainy works as though he were a closeted homosexual himself. It yes. does, 100%. I want to read some Burroughs-esque poetry to you. Uh, please do. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Men acting like women. Men wanting to be one, with one another. Men touching each other. Their stubbly chins rubbing up against one another. Ooh, yeah. Touching each other. Okay. Manly hands mm. touching swirls of chest hair. An occasional whiff of rugged aftershave. Their low, baritone voices sighing, grunting. Mm. They hold one another in manly, masculine arms. They hold one another tight. Yeah, that's not a reading from Hal. That is Chris Penn's dialogue in this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right, Dustin. That just sounds like a good erotic poetry. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is exactly how he's written. And he's depicted kind of like uh, the friggin' sheriff in uh, uh, Smoking the Bandit. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that is how he the bumbling goo, the bumbling, <laughs> or what Chris Cooper's the character, Bar his Sir Barney the Sir Five, Barney, Barney the Five, yeah. or Chris Cooper's character in American Beauty is it Chris Cooper? Who yes, is it? it's Chris Cooper. Okay, in American yeah. Beauty. Well, that character's not played for laughs, though. No. I mean, that character is a villain and is complicated and is portrayed as closeted, and you know becomes a villain because of it. Mm -hmm. But he's yeah, you're right though. It's it's Chris Cooper from American Beauty and Smokey from Smokey and the Bandit into one character, yeah. and it is deeply upsetting it is profound i don't think the movie knows just how upsetting it is well i mean here's my problem with this okay i mean my I, problem is it feels like a studio note like it's completely entirely fabricated to get a straight white male character into the film well i mean okay there is that and i and again it's sort of the way in which it provides some source of motivation but the fact of the matter is no motivation required when it comes to bigotry yeah, no assembly required whatsoever. That you can simply just be straight and just be bigoted, mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, and for no that that there is no good reason, and for whatever reason, this film wants to provide a good reason to be bigoted. I can't tell, and that makes me yeah, very upset. I can't tell if it's trying to provide a good reason for it, or it is trying to, if not. I give empathy to the character or nuance to the character because I don't think it's as interesting as that. I think it's trying to cut the legs out from under him. It's it's making fun of how absurd it is that he's how clo like his closetedness leading to violence is made a joke of, uh, and that's not funny, dude. Yeah, that's how people get killed. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's mm, yeah. And again, it feels the the studio knows the other sheriff's making just... fun of him is enough reason. I mean, as far as like a comedic reason, it's like yeah, the boys are making good. fun of me because I got beat up by a bunch of girls. Yeah, that, that's enough reason by itself. Yeah. And it's just I'm bigoted and I don't like gay men. And it, it serves to give Chris Penn a laugh line. And Chris yeah. Penn does a good kudos to uh, the Fallen. It's it's pretty funny as delivered. Like it is clear that Chris Penn is doing the lines as though he is like confused by how hot the prospect of that is. Yeah. It's never occurred to him. 
and now it's finally occurred to him because he got a handful of dick, and he's like, oh. Fun trivia fact. Oh, okay. Patrick Swayze um, Uh put a a corn cob in his panties. Yeah, in in the in the scene, and so when Chris Penn um, grabs him in that area, um, he was genuinely surprised. <laughs> all, right. all right, I'm still I'm still mad that he called Johnny Legs a slur. But that's that's king shit. Good job, Pat. Uh, I got to pour one out for my namesake for that. That's really cool. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah, it's it's troubling. And again, I, I I'm glad you're bothered by by that because uh, I I hadn't. Thought I mean I I registered that scene and I was like well this is kind of problematic but Chris Penn is making it work as a mm-hmm. comedic beat uh, oh, because he's funny because he's a good actor yeah uh, I was just more bothered by like how he it just slows the entire movie down and like the whimsicalness with which we follow this bumbling like uh, cop who is a bigot ready to do an extrajudicial murder like and again it's 1995 so we're not thinking about it as hard in Hollywood but damn. With 2020 eyes, does that whole subplot just make you go, what the shit? Yeah, because, I mean, what's, when's Boys Don't Cry? 97? Uh, 98? Is, I don't know. Is it, it's after this. Yeah, yeah it's, it's after, late, late 90s. But not much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, but again, that had already happened. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, LGBTQ hate crimes going national press was not a, an uncommon phenomenon. And police violence, I mean, this is, yeah, post Rodney King. Like, mm-hmm. the, this is, we are already in an era where these things are on. Uh, on the tips of tongues across the country, a- and the fact that we're just playing with this with so little consideration for the real-world stakes is just troubling, man. Yeah. And, and the thing that troubles me the most is that it is the thing, like, there's no be- way B.B. Kikrin cared. I mean, that's B.B. Kikrin's touch is probably making it funny. It's probably trying to, like, make fun of this character a lot. But I, I really want to get my hands on, like, an early draft of this script and see if that character is even in here. I mean, the question I'm I have... I'm sure he motivates the plot, but I'd be surprised if he has this many scenes in, like, earlier drafts. And again, I, I want to I take this movie more serious than it is. I think it's my problem. Well, yeah. that's kind of how all of our brains are wired, unfortunately. And so, is it funny that you actually sort of, you know, I don't know, get an erection in the shape of a question mark when you're around a woman in drag? You know, is, is, is that which is sort of funny... That right. was cleverly worded. Yeah. Very good. Thank you for that. <laughs> it was very good. That that's that's a thing that sort of happens yeah. and using that as a comedic beat to sort of again justify bigotry. That maybe it's funny, but it is a way again that justifies this kind of violence, this kind of oppression. Yeah, people are still freaking out about Billy Porter going on Sesame Street. Yeah. yeah. Like and and that's 15 25 years earlier. True. We're not taking this seriously? Yeah. And, and and just to simply say, this guy is a redneck straight guy who just doesn't like the fact that there are guys who are into guys and who assume they're all, you know, again, the things that he says, mm-hmm. they're all perverts, they're all this, they're all that. There's a great line at the end of the movie where it says the founding fathers, when they talk about all men being created equal and inalienable rights, and they didn't mean people like this. And the dude walks by and says, yeah, but they all had great wigs. Love that guy. Which is excellent. Love that old-timer wisdom. I was really hoping he was going to talk about Ben Franklin's wild sex parties. Mm. <laughs> you guys know about this? I did. Uh, the okay. Hellfire Club stuff? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, they're all dirty perverts. Every one of the founding fathers. Oh, uh, you're Tommy Jefferson, who you love so much for his inventing democracy or whatever you like him for. Oh, that dude has had so many things in his butt. So many. <laughs> There's no way he didn't. No, no, no. No doubt. Uh, no. God, I, I hate founding father worship so much. <sighs> Sorry, guys. Uh, Jefferson did once say, every man has two countries, his own and France. I say no more. Uh, Moving right along. (laughs) What did I miss? 
slave owner rapist. Oh, uh, shucks. Um, but yeah, I, I just I, I'm troubled by this, and I, I think that the movie. In its effort to be a studio film, in its effort mm-hmm. to be a Hollywood mm-hmm. film, because it's not Boys Don't Cry. It's not The Crying Game, which are independent independent films, independently funded films. And it's a studio movie. The, what, what studios tend to do is... It's not Priscilla Queen of the Desert, even. No, no, not, not that yeah. either, yeah. And it, they, they, they tend to try to find some way to normalize. And broaden, well, not even normalize, but broaden the comedy, too. Right. Yeah. But their attempt at normalization actually points to something worse in saying that, okay, well, bigots are just, you know, closet gays, mm-hmm. you know, and that's like, okay, you shame your bigotry because now you're actually just kind of into it. But there are genuinely bigoted people who are totally straight, you know, on the Kinsey scale all the way to zero or whatever mm-hmm. the level would be. And it doesn't address the real genuine, you know, real world problem. And that, yeah. it, it, it makes me crazy. It's frustrating, and, and you know the the Virgil stuff uh, is equally troubling. I mean, that's that feels less like a, a studio note. That feels like it was probably always in the screenplay. Man, if Stalker Channing had taken him back in that red wedding. Dr- By the way, Stalker Channing in that red wedding, red, red wedding dress. Mwah. My gosh, great costumes in this movie. Yeah, yeah. where do they find those clothes? <laughs> anyway, um, it's fantastic. Well, in the the back of the the vintage shop. <laughs> All right, but I'm so glad she does not take him back. Yeah. Cuz I oh, really yeah. was like waiting with like mm-hmm. like my knuckles white as I was watching that. It's moment. such an unnuanced uh like to again, as with the invoking of bigotry, uh the invoking of and like pairing Virgil, I mean this is the scene right after uh Sheriff Dullard is uh, reading his poetry to himself. Does Virgil show up at the bar and they right. hang out? Uh, and commiserate over their fragile masculinity. Well, that and he, you know, tells on the gay men. Right? Well, yeah, I mean, that, it moves the plot forward. But they commiserate first and primarily over how much they suck. And the treatment of, like, again, that's fine. You can have in this plot uh, the the ability for a drag queen to, like, use the, uh, narrow conceptions of gender to, like, swoop swoop in and, like, through physical violence, save the day. Like, I, that's fine. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that plot point, but the deploying of spousal abuse mm-hmm. for again laughs and like not really like exa- like just kind of like talking down to Stalker Channing's character. Well, and a giving lot. Patrick Swayze an opportunity to beat up not DB Sweeney. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. It, it gives Swayze a chance. Well, look, there are so many moments in this movie where you're waiting for Wesley Snipes and Patrick Swayze to fight somebody, mm-hmm. and I think that's a big like that kind of works to the film's favor. Like they're movie stars personas do kind of allow beats to work a little bit better than they should maybe though wesley snipes grabbing that young man by the junk and leading him down the road is hilarious hilarious uh did you guys spot baby jason london from dazed and confused uh he's bobby ray oh he's bobby ray yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, the whole movie i was like is that a london brother yeah and it was the the one I feel like we've we got anything else. On I don't the, have anything else analytically to talk yeah, about. We got it. Uh, I think the last. I think thing, we did our best. We, we tried, and I, I think maybe we can take it home with the only thing we are qualified to talk about, which is how we should all be more friendly with each other and team up on the people who really uh, deserve our ire. Those with more than us. Yes. Uh, hi, it's time <laughs> for uh, Commie Corner, where somebody on this show gets into Marxist theory. It always ends up happening. Uh, yeah. This time it's not me. Yeah, Sheriff Dullard represents the the forces of capital. Uh, enforcing their uh, their heteronormative, gender normative, uh, and racially bigoted uh, ideologies upon the nice folk of this small town uh, who just want to live in a delightful cooperative uh, with these cool drag queens. Have their strawberry festivals and yeah. go on. 
they want their strawberry festi- festivals to be uh, a pan-ethnic coalition of dancing, uh, a, a smorgasbord of delights for the whole family. Uh, and this dumb cop comes to town and tries to ruin it, and they bound together, uh, and they cast off uh, the state, and they make their own society. It rules. It's anarcho-cynicalism. And you know who they needed to make it happen? Queens, baby. That's right. Obviously. Duh. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of, a, I mean, and that's, again, as we, Arthur talked about and as I talked about, it gets me. It's like, and it's not just the, the Marxism of it all. It is just kind of like the down-home wholesomeness. It is really, real damn sweet in the, the way that only Hollywood movies are. And it, it kind of works for a moment, uh, you know, until you remember that earlier Patrick Swayze said, sometimes all it takes is a fairy, and you go, oh, fuck. Ew. Yeah, although that Ugh. moment with uh, the, the look, you know, the iconography of that moment with the green, the pink, and the blue, it's the fairies from um, Sleeping oh, Beauty. Sure. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I knew what they were going for. Yeah, yeah. I, I got the joke. I, I got it. But I got the clever, like, art direction. But nonetheless. Yeah. All right, we can go home now. All right, let's let's render a verdict then. Arthur, what do you say? Shelf or trash? Four to Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Oh, by the way, shout out to Julie Newmar. My statuesque. sexual awakening. I'm just she's statuesque. She is Catwoman. Man, she was statuesque. We had a good run. We had a good run this year. <laughs> we did. We made it several weeks. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's worth saving this one. I, I think it's trash. That's where I'm gonna land. Fair enough. What do you say, Dalton? Yeah, this movie probably means a lot to a lot of people our age. Like, I think a lot of people probably discovered a lot about themselves seeing this movie on cable or on VHS. Uh, and, you know, you watch this movie when you're 11 years old. Uh, nobody's taught you about drag queens yet. It rules. Totally. I get it. Uh, I'm with our. Hey, man, Wesley Snipes giving a definition of. It's good. Yeah, uh, it's g- great. Other than, you know, outdated language for the, uh, you know, transsexual v-, v transgender. Other than that, yeah, like, it's a good moment. It's yeah, a good yeah. teaching moment in yeah. a Hollywood movie. Like, that's. Hollywood, if nothing I've... else, is, exists to teach people <laughs> these kinds of things. And I, I think learn the there words. is something to Universal and Amblin taking this on. Yeah. It's really important for 1995. It is not important for 2020. Uh, if you're teaching about. The drag cinema of the '90s. You just do Priscilla Queen of the Desert, like yes. uh, Wong or Fu's Kinky in, Boots, or Kinky Boots. Yeah, Kinky Boots. Oh. This is a cliff note. It's a cliff note that Steven Spielberg helped get a Hollywood uh, drag movie made, and the cast is kind of like notable. Uh, like we didn't talk about uh, John Leguizamo, like in his one man shows in the '90s, and how like Chi-Chi's basically a character that comes from that, which mm. I think is interesting. Huh. And kind of, uh, we didn't even t- we didn't talk about Dustin. And I had so much to quibble about. So there is stuff here. Speaking uh, of Chichi Rodriguez, yeah, go ahead. There is quick. a famous professional golfer. Mm-hmm. Speaking of golf again, named Chichi Rodriguez, who sued Universal. Whoa, for using yeah. his name and huh. was settled out of court. I'm sure got a good paycheck. Uh, yeah, Dustin and I didn't even get to quibble about uh, who's who's doing a, a more caricature performance, like Wazam or Snipes. I think uh, Snipes is really nuanced, but yeah, we'll have to talk about this off air. I think Legs is better. So again, there's stuff to talk about. I'm with Arthur. It's trash. Like it, it, it's a footnote. There's stuff there, but you don't need it. Yep, there you go. Um, trash. I don't like it at all. Um, for all the really? reasons. Really? Um, at all? I, I I laugh sometimes, but that's not enough for me. It's bro. You, you're gonna have to hard break up with like, it. Like yeah, yeah. The, the movie hurts me too much. Sure. And I, I can't watch it. Yeah. So yeah, I won't watch it again, ever. I, I wouldn't huh? recommend anybody that you know wasn't alive when it came out watch it. And 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 to your point earlier though, um, I actually know men. Mm-hmm. In 1995, mm-hmm. who were coming of age, mm-hmm. and this movie is a seminal touchstone for them. I mean, dude, I'm sure, I'm so sure. And I, I mean, I get that. Well, yeah, there's I men, women, and all, and all folks beyond the binary. I'm sure watch this movie again. Like, well, we, I mean, particularly for their this particular ch- yeah. sexual awakening. That's what but, I'm yeah. saying, though. Yeah, I'm sure there are plenty of people between the age of like 
22 and 36 that like yeah this movie was a big moment yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm sure there are man but even people we know it does it doesn't track with me in this on, yeah. the, on those levels and with my critical lenses now i'm like no nah, garbage sure. um so it's a dog turd and i'm done with it so there you go dear listener those are our thoughts about tu wong fu um the second best kung fu movie of 1995 um <laughs> moving right along it does fit into the theory that patrick swayze is in the second best movie of every kind of movie <laughs> He's in the second best ghost movie. He's in the second best drag movie. Uh, he's in the second best dance movie. I don't. This is my idea. Somebody else has brought this up before. Mm, I want to revisit the dance one because uh, I don't. Yeah, Dirty Dancing is probably better than Footloose. I think so. I think it's better. I than think Footloose. initially I would have argued for Footloose, but after we did it for the show, I. I think Dirty Dancing's got a lot more going I, for I it. I agree. And I also can't remember what the example for like better ghost romance movie was. Uh, I don't know But either. I disagree. Because yeah, Ghost either. is so good. I'll, I'll have, I'm going to have to go look this up. Is, wow. it me, is it Casper the Friendly Ghost? This is at least the third time I've referenced this. Uh, it came from a Cracked article. I've referenced I've this the on the show before. I've seen the article before, but I don't remember yeah. either. That's a very funny take, though. I, I think, think it's funny hilarious. Yeah. Man, I tell you what. Unchained Melody and Making Pots? Mm, oh, yeah. I'm there all day, every day. Arthur, are we getting to watch another Patrick Swayze movie next week? No, I'm so sorry. We're never going to get to do a Swayze marathon because we watched all of his damn movies there's there's none left I'm, I'm so, are you mad about it no it's just weird like i, I mean we could do ghosts we could do black dog okay hold <gasps> on. next of kin oh shit okay we got we uh, could make it happen yeah we got red dawn and the outsiders yeah okay yeah, yeah we, we can, can still do a swayze marathon all right hold your horses baby all right i got scared boys next week you know what me and dalton are really hyped about uh lee winnell's new film the invisible man so excited which looks you, like you a and really dalton film. are you serious are you excited about Invisible Man 2? A universal horror movie coming back to the... Do you okay, not, sure. Do, have we not met? That's fair. Okay. But you haven't seen Lee Winnell's previous film, have you? I, I think I probably have. You haven't, have baby. I don't think you have unless you've seen it like recently. No, nah, you haven't, baby. Oh, what is it? Lee Winnell made another movie that wasn't a Saw movie. Yeah, he did. Mm -hmm. And so it's actually a Beyonce uh, biopic. Uh, let me upgrade you. Upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. upgrade. I have not you. seen Upgrade. <laughs> Whoa. You know what? This movie. Can't... We're going to watch the Venom movie that we should have had. Yeah, baby. The Venom movie we deserved. We're going to watch Lee Winnell's Upgrade, God, starring uh, second best. Yeah. Bobo Tom Hardy. <laughs> yeah. Logan Marshall Green, <laughs> who I like a lot. He's good in this movie. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It, uh, it could use more Beyonce. It could use a lot more. Everything. We'll find out what else it needs next week, though. I want the Bong Hive <laughs> to merge with the, be the, the Beehive and. Uh, it was like a Bong Joon Beyonce movie. The Bong Beehive. <laughs> uh, the Bee Bong. The Beehive. Yeah. There's. Yeah. I, I know the joke you're trying to work towards. We'll yeah. get. We'll get to it off air. I'm right. very excited Sunday. to watch Upgrade. All right. Well, thank you very much uh, for that. Yeah. We'll stay tuned, and we're gonna watch Upgrade next week. Uh, you keep watching. We'll keep talking. We'll see you all next time. Wait. Hold on. What? This is very important. If you actually want to write into Dustin, oh yeah, the email is goodtrashgenrecast at gmail dot com. I'm Hi. so sorry, we should have done this earlier. Uh, it's at good underscore trash on Twitter. That's how you get a hold of us. If you actually have suggestions for uh, Dustin's thesis or uh, syllabus, or you know, want to talk to us about, something or if you else. want to help him with his thesis, I'm sure he'd appreciate oh, that he too. He's doing kung fu stuff. Actually, Please he's going to quote Tu Wong Fu in his kung fu dissertation. He, he, he could definitely use a research assistant. I'm not going to do it. So I I'm, I'm not going to hire one. Two or three for free. Yeah, there's yeah. no payment involved, yeah. no love, can, no respect. Well, he, he could probably help you get some college credits out of it. And my sweet company. He's very nice. Yeah, he's okay. Yeah, you don't even <sighs> need to, you don't even need to donate to the Patreon to to help him on. He's his, old and his forgetful dissertation. though, so you can get one over on pretty easy. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if I'd already cut this and we were just talking into the ether? Oh damn it, you did, didn't you? No, I didn't. Oh, but it would have been funnier. It would have been. You keep watching. We'll keep talking. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you.